Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, as we continue our series in Advent, called the Season of Advent, we're looking at the themes of the Advent candles, the themes of the Sundays of Advent. So last week, our theme was hope. This week, our theme is peace. Question for you this morning. Question is this, what is one of your favorite Christmas traditions? Think about it for just a moment. I know, you know, I've heard some people say family's a favorite Christmas tradition. You know, maybe you've got a Christmas tradition that's unique to your family. Maybe you've got one that's been a part of your family tradition, a part of a culture that is, you know, you grew up in or that is part of your heritage. There are a lot of fun traditions you might have during Christmas time. I mean, it depends, too, maybe where you live. Growing up in Arizona, you know, the weather was more like this, and that would be a cold Christmas day. Ooh, 50 degrees. It's cold. You know? We have like 75-degree days on Christmas Day. You know, we could put, go outside and play football on Christmas Day. You could do that here, too, but you might be playing in snow and ice, and it's not as much fun. You know, great Christmas traditions. There are some great Christmas traditions and some unique Christmas traditions. Like, you know, in the Czech Republic, we know that we've got Chelsea, who is our missionary we support. And one of the traditions they have in the Czech Republic is a carp. They bring home a live carp, put it in the bathtub, and then they cook it on Christmas Day. I think they actually take it out and give it a whack and then cook it. You know, talking about food, there are some unique foods to do on Christmas Day, like in Japan. In Japan, one of the traditions that many of them celebrate on Christmas Day, and this goes all the way back to 1974, the first Kentucky Fried Chicken had this marketing scheme that you had needed a Kentucky, you know, for Christmas. In other words, a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken for Christmas Day. So in Japan, if you know anybody in Japan, a lot of them are going to celebrate Christmas with a big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mmm. I can do that. You know, and there's some other unique traditions growing up in Arizona. In Arizona, in Cottonwood, Arizona, one of the traditions they have there is that they have the largest tumbleweed Christmas tree. Do you ever thought there was a purpose for tumbleweeds? You could just stack them all together and create this Christmas tree. There are a lot of great Christmas traditions. One of my favorite Christmas traditions that I remember, you know, when I turned 15 and I was baptized at St. Paul Lutheran Church and that, that next Christmas, you know, went to the Christmas Eve service and they gave this 15-year-old boy a candle, flames, you know. And you held this candle on Christmas Eve and we sang this song. Do you know what song we sang? Yeah, Silent Night. Uh, just, that's such a beautiful song, especially if you do that at Christmas and it's dark outside and, you know, all the lights are out, you know, with maybe some Christmas lights that are going, like some of the candles, and everyone's got a candle that's just beautiful, warm glow, and we start singing, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is chaotic and crazy and nutty, and, and that's what real life is like, but like, all is calm, all is bright, you know, and, and peace on earth. You know, the truth is, our lives are often chaotic and, and crazy and, and nutty. And whether we're on social media and we're posting things or reading someone else's post or we're watching or listening to the news, you know, our relationships, the, the, the wars and rumors of wars and disease and, 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 and everything that just seems broken and frazzled and fractured in our world. And what we long for more than anything really is peace, to really experience peace. And as we celebrate this season of Advent, as we celebrate Christmas, 
we celebrate the peace that our God offers, the peace that he promises. It's a peace that we see him promise throughout Scripture. And these words from Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read these words together again, you know, is that promise of the one who is our peace. Let's read together. A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love that scripture verse. That, 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 that image that we are given here of the one who is to come, this one who was promised so long ago, will bring peace. And more literally, this word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. So really we would read this, that he is the prince of shalom. Now how many of you have heard the word shalom before? It's a fairly familiar word. You know, maybe one of the only Hebrew words that we know. You know, and we think of shalom, we think of peace. But this peace, this word shalom, really encompasses more than just like an end to war and conflict. It does include that. But it encompasses so much more. Especially when our God speaks to us about peace, about shalom to a fractured world. A world fractured by sin. We go all the way back to creation. When God created this world, you know, we're back now in Genesis, and God created this world, and God said to this world again and again, it is good, it is good, it is very good. God loved his creation. God loved his creation, humanity. But then humanity, Adam and Eve, and they decided to listen to that crafty serpent. They decided to take, you know, what was right and wrong to become like God into their own hands. And that fractured their relationship with God. It fractured their relationship with one another and even with creation. From then on, there was no peace. But as they do that, you know, and if you're familiar with this account in Genesis, you know, they, they eat the forbidden fruit, you know, and Adam and Eve both do, and they realize they're naked, and they're hiding from one another, and they're hiding from God, and God goes into the garden looking for them and says, you know, Adam, where are you? Of course, God is God, so God knows where Adam is at. And they're like, well, we were naked, and, you know, we were afraid of you, and God's like, well, who told you you were naked? And then he goes on to condemn them for the decisions they have made because what they have done, again, is they have fractured all of creation. That one decision, that one moment fractured all of creation. And so sin becomes a part of all of creation. And God's going to kick them out of the garden. But before he does that, he gives them this wonderful promise that one of their seeds, one of their descendants will come. Isaiah picks up on this, as do all the other prophets. And in different ways, they are kind of looking at this and understanding what they are seeing, not quite fully understanding, down the road someday, this peace is going to come. This peace is going to come and establish shalom. So when you say shalom to someone, when you greet somebody with shalom, you're not just simply saying, hey, hope you don't have any war in your life, conflict in your life. It's a blessing that there will be wholeness in our life, that what has been fractured is restored. The promise we see in Isaiah is fulfilled in Jesus because he is the prince of shalom, the prince of peace. Paul writes about it this way in Ephesians 2.14. Let's read this verse together. So he is our peace. Jesus 
is our peace. For our fractured world, for our fractured lives, Jesus is our peace. He offers us the peace that Paul says is beyond any earthly understanding. Because it's not just, you know, a quiet moment. It's not just an end to a war or a conflict. It is a restoration of our lives. A restoration to the way that God has created and designed us to be in relationship to Him and to one another. In fact, true peace, true peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. True peace, true shalom takes requiring what is broken. So that means, you know, we have to recognize, we have to admit, we have to acknowledge we are broken. In fact, that's a truth we should all probably, if we're honest with ourselves, are quite aware of. We've, if you've lived this week, like I've lived this week, I can start naming off areas of my lives and things I've experienced in this world that are broken. I've watched the news. Tell you what, there's a lot of brokenness in this world. And I know things that I've struggled with and things that I thought through this week. And I said, there's brokenness in my life. True peace, true shalom requires taking what is broken, restoring to wholeness. We are really a community of broken people. A broken people who are learning to live in this shalom. Learning to live in the love of Jesus. The one who is our peace. The one who is our restoration. You know what's amazing about God's plan? Again, all the way back to Genesis... When God says, Genesis 3.15, that your seed, your descendant, he will come and he will crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent will bruise his heel. That our restoration comes through brokenness by breaking the serpent, and of course, as Jesus is broken for us at the cross. Paul writes about this in Colossians 3, and let's read these words together. And God was pleased for him to make peace by sacrificing his blood on the cross. So that all beings in heaven and on earth will be brought back to God. I love that, that, that verse. And I love that, that image we have of Jesus being broken for us, for the world. That, that through his brokenness, through the blood that he shed, the sacrifice that he made on the cross, God is restoring not just you, not just me, all of creation. Paul writes about this elsewhere too, and he says, all the creation is waiting and longing like a woman in, in labor for Jesus to return and complete that restoration. So sometimes people say, you know, if, if God came and God loves us, you know, why do we have these problems in the world? Because we still live in a world that is not fully at shalom. It is not fully restored, but it will be someday. In the season of Advent, we wait for Jesus' return, his second arrival. That second arrival, he's going to wrap up the restoration. And we will live in shalom. To live in shalom is to live in peace with God. To live in peace with ourselves. And to live in peace with others. It's to live in peace with God as we understand that God loves us. That God loves you. No matter how broken you and I are, God loves you. And God is restoring you. In his grace, his mercy, and love. Living in shalom not only means that we live in peace with God, but we live in peace with ourselves. It doesn't mean we say, oh, that's okay, I'm broken, I can just do everything. It means we know that we are broken, but yet we are also loved. 
And we are God's work in progress. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that we are God's workmanship. We are his creative restoring work. So think about something. Have you ever broken anything and tried to put it back together again? I mean, I've broken some things that, like, you know, a couple weeks ago I knocked off a glass and it hit the tile and it just went everywhere. You know what I did with that? After about an hour making sure there was no glass left on the ground, I scooped it all up and I put it in the trash. I was not going to restore it, but thankfully, our God, he restores us. No matter how broken we may feel, how broken we are by our own sins or the sins others have committed against us. He's always working to restore us. You know, and the thing is that often what happens is we are restored and, you know, it wasn't I who knocked off the glass, but it's, you know, our sin. We, 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 we drop off again. We are broken again. And yet God does what? God restores us. God doesn't say, look, I restored you once. That's it. I'm done. God says, I'll restore you again and again. That peace, that shalom. It restores our relationship with our God. And also that peace, that shalom we live, restores our relationship with others. Especially over the last several years, I mean, some um, political discussions, we don't talk about politics, you know, some ideas and different ideas about the whole pandemic and things like that, and, and even just everything else in life, you know, we can feel our relationships are in many ways are broken and fractured. Yet God calls us in the restoration that he gives us in Jesus to help restore those relationships. In fact, even as we've talked about our vision for Holy Savior, to be a people who go and make a difference of the lives of people in our community and this world, we do that as we are part of God's shalom, part of his restoring lives, restoring relationships, restoring hope and love in Jesus. Jesus, who is our shalom, our peace, the Greek word, for peace, Irenes, is much like the word shalom. It is more than just an end to war. It's more than just a peace tree. It's a restoration. A restoration God has begun for you. Just like he did for Sterling this morning. It began for many of us in our baptism. And it continues in faith. It continues as we come to the Lord's table and restores us with that gift there. Continually restoring you and I. Making us whole. True peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. And God is restoring you in his grace, his mercy, and his love. As God restores us, he also sends us out. He sends us out just like he sends us out with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He sends us out with the peace who is Jesus Christ. So a challenge for us as we go out into this new week is what is one thing you can do this week, one step you can take towards living in shalom, one step to take to living in peace. Maybe that's simply coming before God, turning off all of the busy distract, distractions and sounds. Maybe it's lighting a candle, like a little candle for the Advent wreath, sitting quietly and just resting in God. Maybe it's confessing to him, being honest with God about the fractured parts of your life trusting and asking for his grace, his mercy and love to bring healing and restoration. Maybe he's being honest about a relationship which is fractured and asking God to help you bring restoration, shalom, to that relationship. 
Maybe he's finding someone who needs hope and love, who needs a word of kindness and encouragement. And being that shalom, being the one who helps bring the shalom of God to them. One thing, just one thing we ask that the Holy Spirit would help us do this week, one step that he could help us take towards living in shalom, the shalom who is Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this gift of your love, your grace, your mercy. We give you thanks, Jesus, you are our shalom. You are our peace. And the Lord, you, you brought us peace. You healed us of our brokenness by you yourself being broken the cross. Bless us, we pray, this ebb and season. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us take just even just one small step towards living in shalom this week. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening. Until next time.